Please join me in prayer. Prepare our hearts, O God, to accept your word. Silence in us any voice but your own, that hearing we may also obey your will. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Today's first New Testament reading comes from Romans 7, verses 15 through 25. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law, that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. The word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks. be to God. Today's second New Testament reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11, verses 25 through 30. Listen now for God's word to you and to me. At that time, Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me. All you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. The word of the Lord. In October of 2010, two very popular cathedrals shut their doors. The Crystal Cathedral in Garden Grove, California was built by Robert Schuller and his religion of hope and peace. In response to the anxiety and sadness he saw in the world, Reverend Schuller chose to offer a good, positive word each and every Sunday. 
No mention of sin or our fallen human condition was allowed from his pulpit. Now at its peak, on a given Sunday morning, Schuller's Cathedral had over 9,000 worshipers in attendance and 20 million viewers around the world. But despite despite those numbers and all that positive thinking and, and despite making more than $50 million a year, Schuller's Crystal Cathedral collapsed, like all cathedrals eventually do. It collapsed under the strains of financial, theological, and personal stresses. It was all just too much to maintain. Now, about the same time, the Crystal Cathedral was filing for bankruptcy. Another cathedral outside of Austin, Texas, also had to close its doors. The Cathedral of Junk was located in the backyard of Vince Hannerman, a man determined to show the world that one man's junk is indeed another man's treasure. Built from other people's discarded items, the Cathedral of Junk became such an enormous draw that the neighbors' complaints about all the traffic and the glistening tower of hubcaps became all too much for Mr. Hannerman. Like Schuler's, Mr. Hanneman's cathedral collapsed under the weight of his own success. It was all just too much to maintain. I believe in a way every single one of us is caught up in one of two struggles. We are either building up a cathedral or we are tearing it down. And whether our cathedral is made of crystal or of junk, our souls, our bodies are weary from the work. And into that weariness, Jesus speaks these words of comfort. Come to me, all that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And then that great line, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The context, the setting of this now beloved invitation in Matthew is quite interesting. Jesus spoke these words of comfort, these words of invitation, right after he expressed some serious anger, anger at cities, at places, communities that were unwilling to repent, to change their ways in response to his message, and anger at the people who were critical of his cousin John for his spiritual purity, and critical of Jesus for the company he kept. Frustrated by all this resistance to the transformation repentance requires, Jesus takes a moment to catch his breath, to pause, and to pray, to spend time with God, saying, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal to him. Strange words, but words Jesus needs to hear as he wrestles with humanity's resistance, their reluctance to accept the path he is offering them. 
a path that apparently the wisest and most successful among us have a really dark time embracing, but one, a path that infants, it seems, intuitively understand. Fortunately for us, as is often the case after a time of prayer, Jesus' frustration is transformed into compassion, and he sets aside his anger to offer his weary weary followers a yoke that is easy and a burden that is light. These past few months, really, with the relentless waves of change and challenge crashing over our nation, over our city, I wonder if we have come to realize, maybe for the first time, that there is a tipping point when the stresses, when the anxieties of maintaining and defending our cathedrals becomes too much for us to bear. And when this happens, I wonder, when that which was intended to bring us joy and comfort and peace becomes a burden too heavy to bear, I wonder if we begin the work of casting aside the heavy yoke imposed upon us, a heavy yoke imposed upon us by unrealistic institutional expectations or outdated cultural norms or incomplete national narratives or unhelpful or even hurtful traditions. In every generation, there seems to be a moment or two when we collectively are willing to repent, to turn away from all the cathedrals we've built and turn towards Jesus and the path that he offers us to wholeness and peace. And as we do this, as we make this turn, we say to ourselves, never again, mm -mm, never again will we build something that distracts us from God. Never again will we build up something that excludes other people. Never again will we put all our trust in any man-made institution. We make that pledge, but of course we are not the first to make that promise. Our spirits may be willing, but our flesh is indeed weak, which is why as we tear down one cathedral, we slowly, even if unknowingly, begin to build a new one, a better one, a bigger one, strong enough, large enough to hold all of our anxiety and fear. This is part of the human condition constantly tying our salvation to systems and structures and institutions, we have the power to build up and tear down. This condition, I think, is part of what the Apostle Paul is getting at today in his letter to the church in Rome when he writes, I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. So I find it a law, I find it to be a law that when I want to do what is good, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in law of God in my inmost self, but I see in my members another law at war with the law of my mind, making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, he writes, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Thanks be to God indeed. Yesterday, many of us celebrated the birth of our nation. And in many families... The Declaration of Independence was read, a document that enshrines the human right to reform and even revolt, to cast aside that which has become too heavy to bear by stating clearly, perhaps for the first time in modern history, that all men are created equal, 
that they are endowed by their creator with certain rights, life and liberty, and this pursuit of happiness. Of course, as a nation, we have yet to live up to these words, despite our deep love for them. Even their author, Thomas Jefferson, struggled to uphold them, as did many of our founding fathers. Many of them owned slaves, and women were excluded from this vision. And yet, despite all this, once Jefferson penned those words, once he put them to paper, he set this nation on a collision course with them. Once the idea that all people had the God-given right to life and freedom and happiness, once that was claimed as a fundamental truth, it was an idea that could not be constrained, which is why America's cathedrals have been built and rebuilt time and time again, following war or depression or fights for civil rights. And just like it was in 1776, 1865, 1930, and 1964, just like it was every other time this nation took a giant step closer to the vision drafted in our nation's declaration, it was a national crisis that created the climate necessary for a transformational change. A crisis that gave people the ability, the willingness, perhaps even the courage to look beyond their cathedrals to a promise, a promise too big for any building, institution, or tradition to hold. 20 years ago, I can't believe it's been 20 years, when NBA superstar Sir Irvin Magic Johnson revealed that he had HIV to the world, the cathedral he had spent years building came crashing down. Old friends left him. The league that once embraced him rejected him. His endorsement dollars dried up. And his body that had been his salvation was betraying him. All the things that held him up were now pulling him down. But as his cathedral collapsed, Magic Johnson discovered the something, something that had the power to save him. His family most of whom still lived in Michigan when they got the news. My mom hung up the phone when I told her the news, he said, and got on a plane and came out here. My dad got on a plane. My brothers and sisters got on a plane to come be with me. My aunts, my cousins, they were all getting on a plane. That's love, that's support, and I know that's a large part of why I'm still here today. When faced with the anxiety and stresses of human life, it was not his cathedrals of success, fame, or fortune that set magic free to face his challenges with hope and courage. It was the relationships of those who loved him long before he was known as magic. God knows that we are all trying to make sense of this world right now. God knows that we are all battling anxiety, fear, despair, or perhaps restlessness. And God also knows that it's our religions, whether they take the form of faith communities or political parties or cultural traditions or shared narratives. God knows that all the cathedrals we build are our preferred way of dealing, processing, holding all these emotions that threaten us. 
But God also knows that no human-made religion, belief system, tradition, historical narrative, or institution, no matter how good or noble or true it may be, God knows none of them can save us or set us free. No, we are saved from fear, anxiety, and restlessness. We are given the courage to overcome crippling emotions. We are given the freedom to participate in real transformation when we know to our core that we are loved by another. We are saved, we are set free by a relationship grounded in love. Paul knew this better than anybody, perhaps. Through an encounter with the risen Christ, an encounter that changed his life, Paul discovered that until we know we are loved, as we are, all the cathedrals we build up, all the cathedrals we build to save us, actually, strangely, enslave us. Jesus did not come to have us build more cathedrals. In fact, he was fairly critical of the cathedral builders of his time. Jesus came to set us free from everything and anything that traps us in that endless cycle of fear, guilt, and shame. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, he says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Cathedrals have their place. Institutions and traditions are important, but they cannot save us. Only Jesus can do that. And what Jesus came to build was something eternal, not made with human hands. What Jesus came to build was a new kind of community whose strength was not found in its bricks and mortar or in its laws and regulations or in its, the righteous devotion or ritual sacrifice it requires. Jesus came to build a community that was bound together by love. A love that is strong enough, flexible enough, and compassionate enough to include more and more within its embrace. Our freedom is a God-given gift grounded in love. And that is why it's my opinion that as followers of Christ, we have a responsibility to participate in societal transformation, even when, especially when, it confronts and challenges institutions and traditions we hold most dear. No matter how challenging and upsetting we might find the changes that are happening all around us, we cannot sit on the sidelines as our nation struggles to move closer to a fuller embodiment of its founding creeds. We have to participate in all the change because we are the ones who are free. Free to participate in the deconstruction or rehabilitation of institutions and traditions that while once may be valuable, no longer serve the common good. We are free to question long-held assumptions and challenge old ways of thinking, even our ways of thinking. We are free to, to build new institutions, programs, and policies, even when we know they will fall short of the good we intend for them. We are free to be active citizens of this great nation without being afraid to demand more from it. We are free to listen and love people of all affiliations. We are free to risk and to love and to serve all God's children. We are free to do our part to usher in God's kingdom and push our nation closer to the dream outlined in its founding creed that all people are created equal and deserving of the life, 
freedom and happiness that we know only comes, comes when we know that we are loved and claimed by God. Amen.